Welcome to the Fairview Church Podcast. At Fairview Church, we are dedicated to reaching our neighbors with the true freedom found in full surrender to Christ. To find out more about our church, including service times, location, and current sermon series, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org. John testified concerning him and exclaimed, This was the one of whom I said, The one coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, who is himself God and is at the Father's side. He has revealed him. This is Lord of Lord. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father, we thank you that you give us words. You spoke the world into being with words. You have revealed yourself throughout history to your people through words. And these are words this morning that you've given us that reveal the one who is the word, Jesus Christ. We pray that you would speak to our hearts, that you would reveal truth in our inmost being and that you would make us more and more into the image of Jesus, the one who is the word. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. You can be seated. So glad to see you all this morning. If you are a guest, just want to thank you for worshiping with us. And um, this morning, we are once again jumping into the gospel of John. You're just going to have to hang on for just a second because there's no smooth way to do what I'm about to do. Right, got that out of the way. So, uh, you've probably heard the phrase, seeing is believing. Seeing is believing. And often we use that phrase because we've heard something that someone has told us, and then that has proven to not be true. And so we get pessimistic and we say, well, I've got to see it. I've got to see the evidence. So, so seeing is believing. Uh, but we're going to consider that this morning. But I think it's important, uh, by the way, just as a observation, we left all of the chairs up from Easter. So we've got a whole lot of seats. But it is a rule that everyone will sit in the back regardless. And so I was in here the first service and it was like the back was just packed out. So I don't know if I smell, need a breath mint, what it is. But anyway, I'm not good at focusing. So that pulls me in. Seeing is believing. Here's what we have to consider is what it is that the word seeing means. Because the word seeing can mean uh, different things. How many of you all had seen something on a postcard or on a picture, and then you've actually been to the place, right? So maybe like, how many of y'all have been to the Grand Canyon? Okay. Looking at the Grand Canyon in a picture, is that the same as those of you who've been there being at the Grand Canyon? It's massively different. And you could use the word glory, so we're talking about glory, You could say that it was more glorious to be there, to experience this, than 
simply seeing it on a page. It's true with people too. So we've got Jordan and Hillary Marcelino in the house this morning from Israel. Can we welcome them and tell them how excited we are to have them back? Those of you who know them, love you guys. And it was great. So I have, I have seen Jordan on a computer screen through FaceTime. But then yesterday, getting to see them in person, give them a hug, that's a different experience, right? So some of you all, like maybe you have kids that live away. And when you, you can see them on the screen, but is that the same as being with them? No, right? Giving them a hug, like you get, it's more, there's a glory that's tied to seeing someone in that way, being with them, that's different than just seeing them. Uh, So the way we see things changes and can mean different things. Uh, Another way to consider this is you've heard the rule to never go to the grocery store when you are hungry. Man, that was the strongest response I think I've gotten to anything. You guys know that rule. Man, why is that a rule? Because what will you do? You'll buy, so when you go to the store and you're not hungry, do you see the same things? Now, technically, from a scientific standpoint, you do. But then when you go hungry, you see things, right? It's like, man, I need that. And it ends up in your cart. So the desires, appetites that you have can affect the way you, you see things. We see this People who fall in love. Maybe it's somebody that you've known for a while. Maybe since you were a kid. And then at some point, you see them differently. Is that ever okay? And you're like, man, I knew this. But oh, who? She looks different, right? What's, what's going on? There's, there's a way of, of seeing that, that changes. And, and this is tied to, all of these are tied to Glory. There's a, there's a way in which a glory is revealed in, in the way that we see. So glory, last week, if you missed Easter Sunday, we talked about glory. And the idea that glory comes from the Hebrew word kabob, which is weight. And the weight of glory was an essay that I read some from by C.S. Lewis. And, and this is the idea that glory is is weight, that something that is, is weighty is, is significant. And the way that we respond to that is, is that we honor what is glorious. We honor the things that have weight. And this is a, 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 a an understanding of, of something being weighty, significant, that's, that's important to see. And so all of those examples, Grand Canyon, a person you love, the grocery store. They're, they're an experience of, of the weight of something more glorious. And there is also a, an important, so when we move from the Hebrew word to the Greek word, we pick up the word doxa. Let's give it a shot. Awesome. Doxa and, and glory. And often, it's not that it's disconnected from the Hebrew, but it's more typically tied with light. So it's like the radiance. And, and it makes sense because when we look at 
the Hebrew scriptures, often God's presence is tied with fire. There's, there's a fire, a flame, or a light. There's a cloud that's illuminated. And there's a radiance, we could say. That word glory, Paul uses it to talk about the sun, the moon, the stars. There's a, there's a radiance is there. So yesterday, I did not rightly acknowledge and honor the glory of the sun. And so I was wearing a backwards hat, ended up being, we had football games with the kids, birthday party. I was outside like the whole day, had a backwards hat. I had put some sunscreen on, but I don't know if you can tell. So there's a line like right in the middle of my forehead. And that is because I did not honor the glory of the sun. So when we get back outside, we have that transition back into spring, into summer. We forget the glory of the sun. But does the sun care whether or not we remember it? No, right? It is glorious and it will, your skin will respond accordingly, <laughs> right? And that's what happens. And, and there is a way in which the, the effect, again, the effect of the glory is, is very much, um, tied with this this picture of God. So Edward Clink in his commentary says that the, the glory is the manifestation of God's being, nature, and presence in a manner accessible to human experience. So the glory of God is is really tied with this revelation of him and it's specifically in a way that we can experience it. And in the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures we see that the glory of God is often revealed in what? What reveals the glory of God? The heavens, right? The sky. So yeah, so sunsets, stars, sun. There is, there's a way in which the glory of God is revealed through creation. That creation reveals these aspects of the glory of God in, in, in different ways. But then ultimately, John chapter 1 verse 14 says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Down in verse 18, no one has ever seen God. The one and only son who is himself God and is at the father's side has, he has revealed him. So Jesus is ultimately this, this full, final revelation of the glory of God. Now, how does Jesus reveal the glory of God? It says God is what? Can God be seen? No. One of the early principles I learned in seminary uh, was about the hiddenness of God. That if God did not hide himself, nobody would do anything. If you could see the glory of God, we would all be on our faces all the time. Like, there's a way in which God intentionally hides himself so that all of these normal functions and realities take place. And so ultimately, you can't see God. There's this invisible reality, this inapproachableness that in the fullness of who God is. And yet Jesus, we see, reveals him how? First, glory is revealed in words, is revealed in words. And this is true at all levels. So 
you probably know someone whose words carry weight. Who do you know that when, when they speak, you listen? You're what? <laughs> oh, that's so perfect. Oh, man. Amen. And our God's people said, amen. Wow. So, um, yeah, that's so good. So there is, there is this weight, okay, to a person's words. And we know, sometimes you know people who don't talk often. They don't say a lot. But when they do speak, there's glory. There's weight. There's wisdom. And so you take their words as being weighty right, of significance. You, you listen to what they're saying. And this is very much time when God speaks and God is revealed all through the scriptures as a God who speaks, who reveals himself through words. And when God speaks, the expectation for those who rightly glorify God or recognize his glory, his weight, what do we do? We listen and obey. We, we do what God says. And that, so in the very beginning of the scriptures, there are words that come to Adam and Eve from God, and then there are words that come from a serpent. Now they wrongly, foolishly, and this is where everything gets shipwrecked, weigh the words of the serpent as being more glorious than the words of God. How do we know? They do what the serpent says, right? They they obey, and, and, and that is the height of foolishness. And this is going to play out through scriptures. But the right response is when God speaks, we acknowledge his glory, his weight, and we do what he says. This is also how we express our love for God. The way that we know that we love God, and Jesus says the same about him, how do we know that we love that? Well, that you do what I Say, that's how you really know, right? And that's reflected to the, to the glory that God has. And so the words of God are this expression of his glory. Uh, Psalmist writes, Psalm 86, 11, teach me your way, Lord, and I will live by your truth. Give me an undivided mind to fear your name. I want to live by, I want to order my life around your truth and I want you to teach me your way so that I can not just know it in my head, but I can live, I can orchestrate my life around it. That's, a, that's this glory. Now, the words of revelation of God's glory are also tied with this passage in Exodus. So the Gospel of John takes Exodus 32 through 34, those chapters, and it is just preaching them, right? So this backdrop of the Exodus and these chapters and the Passover that are in this are themes that are just worked out through the Gospel of John. So all of that's behind this. But particularly, there's this exchange in this section with Moses. So Moses wants to see the glory of God. He says, show me your glory. And what does God say? You would die. Can't, can't do that. So he lets him hide in the cleft of the rock. And as he, as he passes in front of him, he reveals his glory through what? Through what he 
says. So I think we've got the, the Lord came down in a cloud, which by the way, the presence of God is often tied with a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed his name. The Lord, the Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed the Lord. And the Lord is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations. By the way, this is unprecedented. There is no God or no concept of God that is anywhere tied to love. It, this is, this is unbelievable. Like when you consider this and you're looking at this from a, from a historical and theological concept, there's nothing like this. And forgiving iniquity. This is the first time we really see in the scriptures the idea of God forgiving directly. That God is a forgiving God. So there's a, there's a way in which the glory of God is revealed in a greater way in these words than up to this time. But he will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the father's iniquity on the children and grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. These words reveal to Moses, and then Moses records them, they reveal the character of God. There's a, there's a revelation of the character of God through words. And then ultimately, John picks this up in John 3.31, with Jesus, who is the what? The word of God made flesh. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth is earthly and speaks in earthly terms. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard. So this is what makes Jesus unusual. He's the only one who comes from heaven, having seen and heard these realities. So he has an authority. You know anybody who, you know anybody who's just an incredible storyteller? And they have all these experiences. And all these, and it's just like fascinating to be around this person because of all the things they've experienced. Jesus comes with the authority, the experience of what he's seen and heard. And yet no one accepts his testimony. The one who has accepted his testimony has affirmed that God is true. For the one whom God sent speaks God's words. Is Jesus speaking just his own, from a human standpoint, his own words? This is really emphasized through John. Everything I'm teaching is God's words. Since he gives the spirit without measure. So the glory is revealed in words. Secondly, the glory is revealed in works. And so as we've seen, this tie between Exodus and the event of the Passover. So we've talked about this the last few weeks. So hopefully this is kind of in our brains is very much fleshed out through the gospel of John. And so we see the events of the Exodus are demonstrations. They're called signs and wonders. They're demonstrations of the glory of God, particularly in delivering his people. God is a redeemer. He frees from slavery. He delivers his people. And he does this through works, through acts. There are 10 things that he does that reveal his glory to Pharaoh and the Egyptians. What are those called? Plagues, right? So these plagues are acts. They're, they're signs that demonstrate his character and that show his power in a unique way. Ultimately then... He leads, he delivers his people through the sea and onto dry land. And then the waters come crashing in. He 
conquers, God (laughs) conquers the Egyptians as they are flooded over this water. These are acts of deliverance that reveal the glory of God. And they are called signs and wonders. John picks up the same language about what Jesus does. And so we have gone through John 1 through the beginning of 12 in the past. And so all of that section is tied with these signs. They're, what, is, what is the most significant number from a Hebrew mindset? Seven, right? There are seven of them. Is that surprising? And these are signs, acts, works that reveal the glory of Christ, turning water into wine, cleansing the temple, healing the nobleman's son, healing the lame man, feeding the multitude, healing the blind man, and raising Lazarus. So these signs particularly reveal the glory of God through Jesus. Now, the first and the last, there's something called a chiasm that is demonstrated both in the Hebrew scriptures and in the New Testament. And the first and the last have parallels. And you're going to see this. So the first sign is what? What was what? The first sign is changing water to wine. And if you remember, I'll give you a dime. So this is the first sign. And Jesus does this at a wedding. And there's all, I preached the sermon already, so I got to stop. But he takes these six jars for ceremonial cleansing. They're, they're out of wine. And he says, fill them with water. And that becomes the finer wine, the better wine for the people. Now, after this takes place, we read in John chapter 2, verse 11, Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee. He revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. So this is the pattern. When Jesus reveals his glory, the effect, not necessarily across the board, but for his disciples, is that they believe. This is the outcome. And this is God's purpose, is that his disciples see his glory as it's revealed, and they believe. So now we move to the last sign, which, which what was that? Lazarus, right? Raising Lazarus from the dead. And he's coming in. Lazarus is dead. And so there's this exchange. Uh, John 11, verse 4, when Jesus heard it, he said, this sickness will not end in death, which is just bizarre, because it already has. But it is for the glory of God, so that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. Now, Martha, one of my favorite passages in the King James, there are certain passages that I really prefer the King James. Martha says, but Lord, he stinketh. And I love that. I say it to my kids when they haven't had a bath for a while. They would run around all day. In response to this, Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So we said that seeing is believing, but what does Jesus say here? Believing his seeing, if you would have, if you would believe, if, and, and he does, he, he loves this woman. He wants her to see his glory. And he says, if you, if, believe this and you will, you will see the reality of glory. So glory is revealed third and finally in belief. And I wanted a word that started with W 
but I just couldn't do it. So glory is revealed in belief. There is this inability to recognize the glory of Jesus across John's gospel. And it's demonstrated through blindness, darkness. There's all of these ways that John is showing us when people are blind to the glory of Jesus. And there are causes, particularly, of this blindness. And I think it's important to see because they are repeated. One cause of blindness, why certain people can see the signs and yet not recognize the glory, first is because of seeking others' glory. John 5, 43, I've come in my Father's name, and yet you don't accept me. If someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe since you accept glory from one another, but don't seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do you know anybody who, when they're around certain people, they act differently? Or maybe somebody who's like a a big name or a well-known person, how do people respond to them? They treat them with glory, right? They really do. Man, I really, this person's really impressive to me, and so I really want to make a good impression. And this world in which Jesus was working was filled with this. There were the names, the rabbis, the somebodies. And if you were focusing on that glory, you will be blind, to the glory of Jesus, because that glory is a glory that's of the flesh. This is flesh, and and we, it's in Christian circles, we do it just the same as everybody else. We have celebrities. Uh, Somebody said that we've traded saints for celebrities, but we're really impressed with people and names, and it's it's flesh. It's it's just part of, it's just how the world operates. There's certain people that that react or or that we react to it, and yet it is blinding in this context. He says, if you accept the glory from one another, but you don't seek the glory that comes from the only God. So what do you have to choose between? Which glory, (laughs) right, you're pursuing? That's what he says. There's a glory that comes from God, and there's a glory that comes from one another. And and so this is a a reason why Jesus didn't fit this system. And so because of that, they were blind. They rejected him. Secondly, seeking your own glory. If anyone wants to do his will, he will know whether he, the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own. The one who speaks on his own seeks his own glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true and there is no unrighteousness in him. We want to make a name for ourselves. We're seeking our own glory. And if that is the pursuit of our lives, we'll be blinded to the actual glory of God in Christ. And, and, and this is a, I hope that we receive these warnings because we think, well, if I was, if I was able to see Jesus doing these miracles, then I would, I would believe. Like, if I could just see these things taking place, guess what? These people saw the things take place with their eyes and they did not actually believe. Why? Because their hearts were blinded. The glory of men was a weight that was so much greater than the glory of God in Jesus. It was so big. What other people thought of them and their name and the glory of others, all of that was so big that the actual weight of the glory of God in the flesh 
didn't matter. It was, it was something that they did not consider. Third and finally is staying in sin. You see, behind all of this, in the context of status and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin and all these things that we talk about, kind of who they were and what they represented, what Jesus actually addresses is, is that a lot of those are costumes that people wear to hide sin. What actually Jesus is dealing with is, is not all of these externals, is that they are sinning consistently. And they're justifying greed and they're justifying lust and adultery and they're justifying all of these sins. Like they're consistently living in sin. And this is what we read in John chapter uh, 3 verse 19. This is the judgment that light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. We like our sin and we don't want to stop it. And so we stay away from the light. Right? It's very very simple. And when we choose to do that, we are choosing to remain blinded to the actual glory of God in Jesus. As well as the healing of, and the freedom that God desires for us. And, and here's where I wanna, we're going to move into a time of response. And our band can go ahead and come up. But, but here's what I want us just to see in this. It's, it's how we see things. right? Seeing is believing. Believing is seeing. We see certain things as having glory. They have weight. They're a big deal. And... There's a way in which we can give glory to what Jesus refers to as the things of this world or the things of the flesh. They both are talking the same category. The things of this world, the glories of this world, the titles, all of those things that are wrapped up there. And then the flesh, which is just our appetites, our desires. These seem big. And when these seem big and and we see them as being glorious, God and the glory of God in Jesus will seem small. It it won't actually be that big of a deal. It it won't actually affect the way we live, right? We may want to feel better about ourselves, but but it won't actually affect us. And yet, what God desires for his people, what came out of the Passover? What came out of the Exodus? They were free. (laughs) God delivered his people. He redeemed his people. He desires for us to live in freedom. And in order to live in that freedom, we have to see things the way that he says they are, not the way they appear to our eyes or our bodies or the people around us. But reality is he sees it. Who's the only one who's come down from above? Speaking the words of God, revealing the truth from God's perspective. Right? See that he's saying, you have to see glory the way I see it. And these things that you're holding on to, they are killing you. They're blinding you. They're destroying you. 
you are enslaving yourself and and you think they're so big and, and there's different ways here's what I want us to see the power of sin so the greater Pharaoh and the ultimate slaver of Egypt is sin and the power of sin seems so big right in our lives certain things it's like we keep doing them we keep falling and it feels so big or the guilt that you know that that comes because of that It, it feels it seems so big insurmountable and yet it seemed impossible for God to deliver the Israelites from Pharaoh. That was impossible from a natural standpoint. The glory of Pharaoh and the glory of Egypt was insurmountable. And yet what did God do? He brought glory. And what's interesting is the Israelites were baptized in Moses. He brought them out and he delivered them in this way. And, and that's what he wants for us. And so, and so we're going to take communion, but we're going to sing a song first. And, and, and I just want to invite us to prepare for this and, and thinking the, the weight, the glo- what is it that, that we are living as being ultimately glorious that's, that's not, that's keeping us, that's blinding us from the glory of God. And to consider the, the glory of the blood of Jesus body of Jesus is so much greater than the power of sin. Right? And, and, and this is true. This is reality. And so I just want to invite us into that consideration and, and where there's confession that needs to take place. As we sing these words, I'd invite you to do that. And then I'll be back in just a moment to lead us through the summer. Father, we thank you that you give us your perspective where we are blinded and enslaved because we believe that things are glorious, are big, are weighty that aren't. We pray that your spirit would reveal how much greater you are and your love and your power and your forgiveness and your grace so that we would live in the freedom that Jesus desires for us. Christ is in his name. Thank you for listening to the Fairview Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org.